Uh, I got a friend of mine named Josh Profit on, on Instagram. He's a BG bow hunter, but he has recently, uh, well, not recently, back in November, kind of slowed way down on the social media stuff, which is fine, you know, do do what you want to do. But uh, but Josh has been hunting a lot of public. He runs a lot of cameras. He's killed a lot of good deer, and uh, he's using a trad bow, too. So it's pretty interesting. Um, that's a whole different side of things, you know, got to be, you know, under 30 yards, under 20 yards for a lot of them. And uh, and I got him on today just because he's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of information on scouting and hunting public land. So, Josh, why don't you tell people, you know, a little bit about where you're from and kind of uh, what type of land you're hunting, how big it is, and the terrain and stuff like that. All right, bro. I feel like you've done uh, amped it up and gave me a little bit too much credit right off the bat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's it's cool. It's I didn't realize how much like. You know, it's fun to meet people that uh, that are kind of like the quiet killers is the way I like to describe them, people who aren't like that big on social media, but they kill big deer just about every year, and they do it a lot in difficult areas. So you're one of those people for me that uh, – and you, you put like, you know, when we talked last – last time we talked was about cameras, and you just put so much time into the woods, like you have to get better. You know, there's there's no way you can get worse. Right, right, right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I uh, my name's Josh Prophet. I'm from Western Kentucky. I've pretty much um, hunted public land. I think this is my 14th or 15th season uh, solely. So um, it's kind of been a roller coaster for me. But uh, I guess it's uh, this will be my third year with a trad bow going trad. So it's um, it's been interesting for me. I've had a lot of fun and I've learned a lot of I've learned a lot over the last few years and definitely made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Everyone does. Uh, so are you, you hunting mainly public then, right? Strictly public. If I'm deer hunting, I'm on public for sure. Okay. How big is, how yep. big is the piece that you're, that you're on right now? Uh, so the piece I hunted this uh, last season is over a hundred thousand acres. Um, uh, typically, <laughs> typically uh, most of the places to break that down. Man, you got to find an area that that you think will support the deer and just narrow it down. Um, I took that over. You know, it's over a hundred thousand acres, and I I mapped off about five thousand acres that I thought would hold everything I needed, and that's that's how I went about it. Um, it's actually the largest piece that I've ever hunted. Um, most of the pieces I hunt are between five and and, and eight thousand acres, which is, is still to the to the average person. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good chunk of land. But um, if you've been doing it for a while, you can really cut that big of a piece of property up um, pretty quick when you get the boots on the ground. Yeah. No, I bet. So, what do you? So, how do you even begin to break that apart? Like, what do you like? Do you start with a satellite map? Is that yeah. what you start with, and topography, or what? Satellite. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's public or private. You know, it takes three things to grow a good deer, and that's age, genetic, and nutrition. So, you know, I, I'll start out with, like, harvest logs. Um, I'll try to look at those, look at the hunting pressure far as, like, uh, via web, and then I will start from above, like, an aerial 
just finding, you know, areas I like. I'm definitely a terrain hunter. Um, I'm not a good flatlander. <laughs> so much harder to kill a, kill a buck on flatland, in my opinion. But yeah, um, no, I just start. Uh, yeah, I start there, man. And once I find a piece, I just I, I work my way backwards. I start at the food sources and and work back towards the bedding. Okay. No, that makes sense. And because you're a you're a terrain hunter, you know I've noticed that about myself. Like I like hunting kind of swampy swamp edges like so i would call myself kind of a swamp hunter in that regard because like you can you can show me a huge piece of public and if one side you know super hilly and valleys and and creeks bottoms and then the other side a swamp like i'm going to be drawn to that swamp before i'm drawn to the terrain to the topography changes um and that's just that's just me personally because i think i do better in those swampy areas because that's just what i know but that's a, that's a really interesting statement. Uh, so, and, and that's what you're saying by you're a terrain hunter, right? Like you're after that topography, that dip change in elevation. Yeah, it's just it help. It's a little easier to find the bedding, and you know, it's a little easier to predict where the deer are going to go. Um, in my opinion, that's that's how it's turned out for me when I've actually went and looked for beds or looked for tra- travel corridors. It's um, it's easier to predict and find. Okay. So what, uh, like if, if you're hunting like hills and valleys, like what do you think is, like you start at that food source and work your way back and, and you say it's easier to predict that, uh, like are you, are you seeing like a lot of trails on the upper third of a hillside, you know, in the beds on the top of the hillside or on the bottom or what, what makes it easy for you? Well, man, the reason I always start at the food is because that's the easiest thing to find. You can find a crop field or an ag field or like a destination, you know, uh, field easily. Sure. And then I'll just go walk it, um, and follow like trails back towards bedding that I found on aerial. And, you know, there may be a point a half a mile away, um, off a, off a crop field. And I'll, I'll go check that point, check it for buck beds. Um, but it's been my, I've learned a lot. Like the whole buck bed thing is just, it's so in right now and everybody's about, is about that. And what I've come to realize is like, man, you can't really, like they're all different. Like just because a lot of these bucks bed on these points, it doesn't mean that they all do. <laughs> you know, no, I've, 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 I've seen bucks bed in places that literally like, didn't make any sense to me. I, I couldn't figure it out, but that's where they were. That's why they were there. And I found beds that, to where it made it almost impossible to kill one. But it was because it was just that good. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I'm a big like I listen to Dan Infall, the Hunting Beast, and that too. And uh, he's got a lot of a ton of great information out there, and and I like it all, and I absorb it all. And then you always just got to take it and manipulate it to your own your own hunting style and your own like area that you're after. And, you know, one of the things I've come to realize it, I'm not, I haven't been that successful in hunting buck beds. Um, but generally I'm finding like, you know, 10, 15, 20 like buck beds or what I would assume are buck beds. And then I don't know which one they're going to use and when, you know, that seems to be my problem (laughs) is, you only get so many times to hunt, and when you go out there, you're like, all right, are they 
using this one or not. And if you're hunting that buck bed and he's not there, then that's the end of your hunt, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of times it's not like a travel corridor or anything where a deer will just randomly appear. A lot of times it is like you're hunting that bed and that's what you're hunting. You have that same kind of thought or what do you think? Yeah, I do. Um, how I like to do it is, um, you know, when, once I, like I'll put a camera on a field and, and when I know a, a couple of good bucks or a good buck is using it, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I really will start looking for the beds hot and, hot and heavy and say, let's just say I physically find three beds. Like I, you know, they're all pretty much wind related. So I'll start on one. And I'll hunt that on the wind. The deer's supposed to be there. If he's not there, then I'll move on to two. If I, you know, if he's not there, then I'll move on to three. But, you know, a lot, been, it's been my case that, you know, I, I still don't run into him. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no magic pixie dust on this to shake around and find these bucks. It's just, um, it's been harder for me to find the bedding than what a lot of people you know, have said it that it would be, just to be honest. But I still no, do it. No, I 100% agree with that. Like, you know, I, I'll find these buck beds, like I just said, like 15 or 20 of them. And are they all buck beds? I, I don't know. You know, I'm not that deer. And some have rubs, some don't. Some are up against deadfalls, some are not. I'll find, you know, 20 beds. And the ones that I would consider are buck beds are generally like solos. You know, it's just that singular bed worn into the dirt there isn't a whole lot else around it so i'm just like all right i'll mark that and then you know like you said it's like i uh, you know i don't know when it's being used how it's being used what deer is using it i have no idea you know unless you like drop a cell cam right on it <laughs> right right i've killed most of my deer going to food or during the rut just just to be honest with you like that's when i've okay. killed almost all of my deer no, I makes. I mean, that's where a lot of people kill deer. Um, for most, I mean, you know, so going to food, how close do you think uh, you're getting to the bed? Are you like right on the food edge, or are you, you know, 50 yards off the food and 50 yards from the bed, or what do you, what do you think you're doing that's successful? Um, so the best time I had this year, I was striking out on the bedding. I could not find out where the deer were bedding, but they were for sure feeding in this one field. And I was a good two or three hundred yards off the field. Now, do I think I was too far? I don't because of the way that the land laid. Um, and I, the only shooter I did see, uh, during that, that week of hunting literally come off, off the hills. Um, I just, I was about a hundred yards off. And that's that cat and mouse game you play with them. But now I, I'm typically I'm not a field edge hunter. I don't hunt fields. If I if I'm going to hunt a food source, I'm normally a pretty good ways away from it. Okay, so you know if you imagine like the the mouth of a river, right? Like you're you got a lake and it and it really narrows up into a river. Like if you imagine that, and the river is the the, the agriculture field. And then as it, as you get further into the woods, like the variations in where those deer come from, can come from get wider and wider and wider, right? Like they could have turned yeah. left here. They could have turned right here. They could have gone straight. 
how do you how do you kind of look at that and go, all right, I should go this way? Man, I'll walk it. Like I don't even care okay. if I'm going to hunt it. Like I'll put my I'll put my sin on the ground and gamble. Like I'll try to find the best trails or the best rub lines. I mean, literally, like when I'm hanging and banging, that's how I'll do it. I'll walk in and I'll do some zigzagging or I'll find a trail here and I'll think, well, I can find a better one, so I'm going to head this way a little bit and I'll just I'll just move slow. Okay, gotcha. Do you, I don't know. Uh, does that make do sense? Do that may, yeah, that makes sense to me. I've done that before many times. One of the things that always, like, gives me a little bit of paralysis is when I cross a trail and I'm like, ah, you know, this one's good, but I think there's better, and then I keep going, and I don't find a better trail when I'm doing that zigzag like you do, and then I go back to hunt the one that I, that I you know, thought was the best at the time. I always feel like ah, I've already kind of mucked this area up because I just walked through it and I walked over the trail. Do you ever feel that way? Or are you like, nah, I'm going to hunt it. They don't know I'm here yet. So the turning point for me when I started killing deer is I used to to hunt like off feeling. Like I would go into an area and I'd be like, man, this looks good. Like I feel good about it and I would hunt. Well, that didn't always work out real good for me. So when I started breaking it down and and trying to figure out, like, okay, when, where, and why, like, uh, when is the deer coming here, you know, why and when, that really started mm-hmm. helping things. Instead of just going off, you know, just my straight, just a straight feeling yeah. to actually breaking it down to, like, oh, well, I can see a deer using this. Uh, because of the deadfalls or because of this drainage, like I can see the deer coming through here more versus over there, um, or just things like that. Like my success rate literally like tripled. Okay, no, that's good to know. So um, when you, all right, so when you're looking at that, uh, no, it's an interesting way to think about it. I'm trying to envision that myself, and it's. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, and I know a lot of people that, and I used to do it all the time where you go into a spot and you just look at it, you're like, oh, man, this spot looks great. Like it's something you'd see out of a TV show, right? That's kind of like what a lot of people envision. It's like, oh, you yeah, know, so the yeah. shooting lanes are wide open, there's acorns, like everything looks good, you know, and then uh, and then you sit there and you don't see shit <laughs> for days. Yeah. And you realize yeah. after that, you know, there were four other hunters who also found that spot, and they've been hunting it for the last eight years, and they've killed a doe out of there, you know, opening weekend <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I, I've I've done that many times, and there's I call them bait spots. So they, in my opinion, they bait other hunters to hunt there. So uh, that's just the nickname I've given them. So I have when I have friends come out and hunt with me and stuff like that. We'll go by a spot, and they'll be like, oh, man, that looks good. I'll be like, yeah, that's a bait spot. We let the other hunters that come behind us go hunt there, and we know they're going to hunt there because it, quote, unquote, looks so good, and we're going to go over here and hunt this crap because when they push in there, they're going to push deer out of that area, and they're going to come this way, you know, and that's kind of how I've started. And like I said, I hunted those spots prior to, to me learning that. Um, so you get in there, and you hunt them a few times or once or twice, and you realize, you know, oh man, there's just some pe- there's a lot of people in here, 
and that cameras really help a lot as well. You know, you hang them high and you hang them on the trail and you just get, oh, man, there are three other hunters in here this week. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You are, you are exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so a lot of your a lot of your kills are heading to food. So you're off. And you're hunting, I mean, in that 100,000 acres or 5,000 or 8,000 acre pieces, like, is that mainly big wood with, like, mature wood? I know you said you mentioned, like, you're looking at timber harvest, like, earlier. You said you like to look at that because that's obviously good food, right? Is that why you look at that? Man, I look at I look at two things. Like, I look at the harvest results as far as, like, how many deer were killed, how many deer are there per square mile. And, yeah, like, man, if a rabbit likes it, a deer likes it, too, and – if you can just get around any kind of thick timber, man, it's just the deer numbers always just, they just jump up. Sure. Nobody wants to hunt the thick, nasty stuff, but everybody wants to see deer. They set the, they set themselves up to see deer, they, they set their, but they don't set themselves up to kill deer. That's been, I've run across <laughs> those sets on public land so many times. Yeah. And that's why I ended up going to trad, man, because I learned you know, over the years, how to set myself up to kill them. And, like, all my deer are literally, like, 20 yards or closer. And then, so, I was like, man, if I could get good with a with a recurve or a longbow, like, why not? Because all the deer I'm killing is right here. And so, that's kind of the evolution of me. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I apologize when you said harvest logs earlier. I thought you meant timber harvest. No, no, but I do, I do look at that. Um, it's, I looked at that a lot this year because Onyx has, uh, a, a, a key for that where you can look up the harvest results or the, uh, the harvest log, the timber harvest logs and it'll tell okay. you like the year that they were cut. Um, oh, nice. and yeah, and I got, I walked through some. They were almost too thick to hunt, but you could hunt the edges and man, they were just, the, that's where the deer were for sure. Yeah. No, and I've and I've never hunted like the big woods. It's something that I want to experience uh, for a few years in my life and hunt like a big woods. But from my understanding, like northern Wisconsin is a big woods like pl- hunting playground. Like there's that's all it is. There's no one that lives up there, and it's just you know hundreds of thousands of acres of big woods. And they say like you get a good timber harvest in there, or you get a good blowdown, and then. Uh, you know, three, four, five years later, you you better be hunting that area because that's where all the deer are going to be. You know, and they're yes. kind of nomadic in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know uh, my buddy Chad with Exodus, I think that's pretty much how they cut hunt in Ohio on the uh, Shawnee is a lot like that. Oh, okay. No, that makes, that yep. makes a lot of sense. Um, yep. So... The other way you said you kill a lot of deer is during the rut. So when you talk about the food sources, is that mainly like early season or is that also like pre-rut and then late season? Man, that's all year long. Like the deer slave to their stomach. if They got to eat. So if they're hitting the food source, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, like a lot of people are frowning on rut hunting now. And I'm just going to be honest with you, like, my time is very limited, and I hunt like a coyote, like I'm an opportunist. And if my no, best opportunity to, to, to 
to kill a to kill a, my best opportunity to kill a deer is in November. Like that's when I'm going to take my vacation because um, I know you know how my schedule falls with my family, and I, it's just so hard for me to chase a particular deer. Um, and I, I you know I want to be successful. I want to set realistic goals. So um, I'll just stack my odds and go into an area that has the most deer or the most bucks, and that, you know that's where I'll spend November. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I, 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 I don't need that kind of negativity in my life if if you have friends <laughs> that from rut hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's really uh, I would I would equate them to those like prestigious fly fishermen who are like, if you didn't tie it yourself, it's not real fishing. Like, get off me! I get to, I get to fish for four days a year. Like I'm using you know someone else's flies, and I'm not putting you know, three weeks of, you know, effort and time and the time the perfectly right flies <laughs> for this four day fishing trip or whatever. I'm I'm a very opportunist tunistic hunter just like you said as well. You know, if I can get a shot at a four and a half year old or older, even a good three and a half year old buck, I I'm taking it. Um it's just getting the time like you said and getting out there. Yeah, I mean that's just the way that social media has like pushed hunting chores it's such it's just there's so much negativity that comes across that way now that you know i just if if you can kill a deer anytime like i'm telling you you need to go kill it <laughs> doesn't matter if it's <laughs> se- september november or january you need to kill it you need to hunt yep no i i agree and there's a lot of that going on and i think you know it's i feel like it's kind of like one uppers right because prior to social media the only thing you had to understand like what other people were doing was was tv shows really and then um and then since social media people kind of like uh they like one up themselves and then if you like kill a buck during the rut i've seen people be like well try to kill that buck you know september 15th when season opens but you're not that good like they're better than them because they can you know kill a deer early rather than in the rut and it's i think sometimes it's even harder to kill a good buck in the rut just because the the pattern's totally off and they can be anywhere at that time you know there's so many different things that play into it and like i said you don't need that kind of negativity in your life <laughs> no we, we just we live in an era where everybody wants to be noticed like they do. Uh, everybody yeah. wants to be insta famous everybody wants to be noticed Everybody wants to have the next next best trick or gadget or ne- next best new thing, and that's just uh, I've just tried to kind of get away from all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you you are you trying to tell me that you don't saddle hunt, <laughs> bro? I'll never <laughs> saddle hunt. I'm not saying that it's not awesome. I'm not knocking it at all, but it's not for Josh Profit. I'm not a saddle. No, man. I'm. I like I'm a I I have a saddle and I saddle hunt and I am part of like the saddle hunting forums and I watch all that stuff I listen to it all and it is like the people who make the memes that make fun of saddle hunters are like right on like I some of the stuff that people <laughs> say like <laughs> that like you know like uh man I've seen a bunch of them lately and they're all hilarious and and you when I'm like I'm in that world I own all my like. And I, I've saddle hunted for a couple of years and I make saddle hunting video. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious because, it, because some of it's so true. Like people think they're better because they saddle hunt. And you're like, 
it doesn't make you better at all. It's just a different way to do things. It's like having a Hoyt versus a Matthews versus, you know, a Black Widow. Like, it doesn't make you better or worse. It just makes you – it's just different. That's all it is, you know? Right. Um So – and I think people, like, that have a saddle, it's kind of like some people in the trad world think they're better than compound hunters because they're using a trad bow. And some people think because they're using a saddle they're better than – you know, a hanging hunt style. And it's like, no, it's it's just different. That's all it is. <laughs> Bottom line is, is, as hunters, we need to stick together because we got PETA for bashing everybody. Oh, yeah. Yep. I know, and I don't, yeah, I don't understand that either. Like, you know, there's there's not there's not enough of us as it is, and then within our own community, we, we self-divide. But... It's, you know, it's, it's whatever, just people wanting to be better than other people or, cause you know, one of the other things is, uh, I've, I've often thought about this, like, how can you be the best hunter? Like, how could somebody ever say they're the best hunter? Like, you can be the best qu- quarterback, you can be the best point guard, you can be, you know, the best golfer, but nobody can ever say that they're the best hunter, like, period. There's just no way to define that, really, because it, you just don't know. And, uh, and I think people are trying to do that, like they're trying to find ways to, like you said, get noticed, become insta-famous, become, you know, quote-unquote, like the best at something. And uh, and that's what's driving, like, division is just people want to be better than others and become individuals. I agree, man. You know the saying, uh, I'd rather be lucky than good any day. And we both know that there is a lot of luck in hunting. <laughs> Yep, for yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so back to enough of the philosophical hunting hunting world stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like actual tactics. So um so you're hunting a food source, that's one way you're doing it. How are you changing that up like during the rut? Like what are what type of areas are you hunting for those or for that time of year? Man, I'll start to keep a really close eye on my cameras on food sources because a lot of times there's certain fields on public lands where these bucks will come into in the daylight. Um, not all of them, not all properties are the same, but I've hunted a couple pieces where it blew my mind the size of deer that were in, a, in the field in the broad daylight on public. So I will start keeping a close eye to that. Um, and I will literally, like before my vacation, I'll just, I'll just do a big camera run. I'll check all the ones on food sources, and then I'll check all the ones that were close to a good acre uh, crop. Um, and just depends on, you know, where you're at. Like this last WMA I hunted this year, like the deer were, were on the oaks and specific specifically more the red oaks. Um, they just were. I didn't find that out on my own. I was told that by a local, and I'm glad he told me that. But you just really got to start paying attention to the details. And if And if you have cameras, like, and you're like me and your time is limited, like take advantage of that tool because it's out there 24-7. And it, no, it doesn't catch everything, but if you can learn how to use one, it's just, it, it's one of the best tools. You know, it's my top three. Yeah, no, that's perfect because I was going to ask you that question, but how many cameras do you run? 70. I didn't this year um, just because he <laughs> – just because of EHD and trying to scramble to find a buck and 
just things I had going on in my life. It just wasn't a good deer season for me. But I do have 70 cameras, and that's typically what I do run. How do you even check all those? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, how many do you check in and go? Like, I mean, you're not going out there like – yeah. If I ahead. if I can get eight a day, I done I've done good. Um Okay. But they're mostly set up for inventory. They're I rarely rely on my cameras to tell me on where to be at, so they're more or less just tell me what's in the general area. So they're all they're all so far apart, you know. For me to check between five and eight cameras, we're talking me walking ten miles. Um Yeah. <laughs> so I don't. I put lithium batteries in them, man, and I and I let them bake. And you know, the most any of my cameras get checked in one season is three times. Some of them get checked once. Some of them get checked twice. Um, but I've learned that like a lot of the prior stuff, like the prior history, like from years before, is just that's what's always worked out the best for me. Like all of my, I'm gonna say at least half of my cameras go on the exact same trees every year. Pretty close. Or in the same vicinity. How did you, yeah, how did you, like, come to know that exact tree? Like, did you, you know, put the camera in that area, and then eventually, like, after moving it a few times, you're like, all right, this is the tree that's good? Or how did you figure it out? Yeah, just time, man. That stuff takes time. Like I said, there's no... There's no magic pixie dust for it, but it's also, it's not rocket science, neither. You just really have to stop and think and break it down. Like, if you're in an area and there's literally, like, the browse pressure's heavy, there's there's big rubs, there's, there's poop, there's heavy trails, and you put a camera out and you don't get much, but, take like, take a look around. Like, don't rely on that camera. Take a look around at what's going on and move it. You may only need to move it 20 yards. and you really don't ever need to rely on that camera at all, but I've like tweaked my cameras over the years, and then I mean, you just learn. You just learn that way. Just, but it takes time. Yeah. It takes time and effort, and it takes a lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so w- before we keep going, like, I, did we answer the question? How do you, you know, when you said, like, when you hunt the rut? Your you go and check your cameras and then and you also mentioned this like on your inventory side like you're you're essentially looking for a good buck that's using it that's in an area and then you're gonna just gonna hunt that area is that or are you still like hunting you know bed to food? No, man, I just call it stacking. A lot of times it's bed to food, but I go in an area and my goal for the year is and it always is is three years old. Like I that's realistic. Like a good three year old buck could score. 160 on public land i mean it really could or it could score 130 and that's just that's that's realistic there's nothing wrong with a three-year-old deer there's nothing wrong with a two-year-old deer whatever you want to shoot but i like to do what i call stacking i like to go in an area let's just say 300 acres and i got two or three cameras on that 300 acres and if that area literally has the most bucks on those cameras like that's where i'm going to be at because obviously that's where my best odds are. Okay, sure. That makes sense. Yep. So then, 
like how how are you setting up in that area? Are you just like hunting pinch points or funnels or heavy trails or what are you doing? Yep, mainly pinch points and funnels, anything that's going to push a deer close to me. And, you know, you, you don't want to give away all your secrets as a hunter. That's one thing that I think a lot of people do because, you know, podcasts are big now and uh, <laughs> blogs. and yeah. uh, You need to keep some stuff in your hip pocket because if not, there's going to start to be people that are hunting just like you or they're going to be in your spots. But, I mean, it could be something as, as simple as a tree that's fallen. I mean, just anything oh, okay. that's going to sure. that's going to push, you know, deer to you. Like if if you know if if you know a general idea where the deer are bedding, and you know a food source that they're hitting, and you can find a good saddle or or pinch point or anything that's got good deer sign on it in November, like there's nothing. That's your your chances of chances of killing one there are probably pretty good. Okay. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I would agree. A lot of people are giving away all their thoughts, um, and a lot of them are very similar. You know, it, there's yep. like even on even on my pod, like this podcast. I think this is like the twenty second or twenty third episode, something like that. The uh, the amount of information I I strive to not repeat information, but I know I do because you know there's like. You can only tell people, like, you, you either hunt in the early season, you're hunting clover, you're hunting soybeans, or you're hunting acorns or apples. Like, that's what you're pretty much after, right? Like, those are your major food sources, and that's what you're after, and that's what I'm going to tell people every single time. Um, there's And there's only so much you can talk about, uh, like, on a podcast without getting boots on the ground. And that's one of the reasons why when you when you talk about terrain hunting, that is one of the major advantages of terrain hunting is uh, is the topography and how it pushes deer around. And if you can learn to understand how topography moves deer and, and funnels deer across a piece of land, like, you're going to have major success. And you'll probably have it year over year because that topography won't change, whereas agriculture fields will change the food source will change and then it will change that way the deer use um use trails and use bedding areas then you got to relearn that all over uh, i agree man and if you just go if you forget about everything if you know that's going on in the social media world or what people said or anything and you just go have fun like you truly have fun like you're my success rate went up, so I don't know why somebody else's wouldn't. I used to get stressed out after November when I didn't kill a deer. And anymore, like, I don't even give a rip. Like, I'm out there to have fun, and that's why I'm doing it. Like, I really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. No, and people put pressure on And I do it, too. I put pressure on myself to, to try to kill a deer. But And there's a certain line that crosses when you're not having fun anymore. For me, I like that pressure a little bit because – that that's what gets you up at 4 a.m. instead of 4.30, right? So you get out there early and you get out there and you're ready to go sooner and earlier. But, yeah, if it's starting to, like you said, cause you, you know, over stress and you're starting to, like, really have, like, anxiety about not killing a deer and you're starting to, like, feel bad about yourself for not killing one. We I talked about this on a previous podcast. Like, the success, success rate for bucks in Wisconsin is, like, sub 1%. You know, and people just don't understand that, that there's 
Like there were 550,000 gun hunters in Wisconsin, and I think there were like 70,000 deer bucks killed, maybe less. I I don't know, you know, and that's that's like 10%. But you have no idea how uh, how old those deer were, or were they all spikes? You know, were a lot of them one year olds, two year olds? I'm willing to bet you. You know, if you're after that two or three year old or even older deer, you know, that success rate just goes way down. And I think people don't, people just don't realize that when all they see on social media is 150 inch deer over and over and over again. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so one other, one question, another question I had. So you mentioned uh, you run about 70 cameras, which is still <laughs> outrageous. And, uh, your family is amazing for letting you sink that much money into cameras. <laughs> my wife already said, I'll buy like two at a time. And my wife will be like, you have more cameras. <laughs> I'm like, I'm up to eight or nine or nine right now. And I'm like, yeah, well, Josh has 70. That's what I'm going to do. Oh man. Uh, aside from cameras, what, it, what would you say is like your number one or two tools that you, that you use for finding deer? Um, I'm going to say my number one tool is just, is my woodsmanship. Um, and that's, you need to be confident in yourself, not cocky, but confident. And that, you know, I've been, I've been hunting for a man a long time, let's see, 27 years, something like that. So it's just, it takes time and, and confidence and I just I, I'm going to put myself like number one just like what I've learned I've taken you know what I've read and what I've watched and manipulated it and, and twisted it and to things that I've learned when I'm out there and you know when I hit the woods like I'm I'm confident I don't always kill a deer I don't always figure it out but I enjoy the process of it um, and I have fun so you know I'm going to put that you know number one I'll probably put my weapon as number two, and I'd probably put trail cameras as number three. Okay. Nah, that makes sense. What What do you mean by, like, your your weapon is just, you know, using a bow? Like, you obviously need that to kill is what you're saying there? Yeah. Yeah, you just need to be confident in your weapon. You know, like, before when I shot my compound, you know, I was, I was confident in it that literally, like, all I had to do was blow the dust off of it, and I could shoot out to 70 yards and then – when I went to, to the trad bow, like I had to, to build the confidence up and it was just a mind game from me, for me, because it was like, you know, it was, if I could compare shooting trad to anything, it's like throwing a baseball. Um, I pick a spot really? and that's where I want my, okay. yeah, I pick, I pick a spot and I want, you know, that's where I want my arrow to be. So, um, even though I was doing that right, like I had to learn how to like tune the bow and, and do things with the brace height and um so you just you really gotta be confident in in the weapon you use and I mean killing an animal's you know, it's a big deal, so that's you know, that's why I put that as number two. No yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah, you got gotta gotta have an arrow in them in order to kill them, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, okay. So uh, one of the last things I want to cover, and then I know I know you're getting back to going to go clean your truck and get it sold, is uh, like winter scouting. Do you do a lot 
like right now, between now and April, do you do the majority of it, or is it just like always scouting for you, or how do you lay that out? I have my children every other weekend, so I I do all I can, but, you know, I say this on every podcast I've ever done, the most I can get out in one month is four days a week, or is four days a month, I'm sorry. Um, okay. So I can't get I can't get out much, but the the more that you can get out any time of year, especially now, like you, you need to be doing it because you can still see see the old scrapes. The trails are really visible. The rubs are there. Obviously, sheds are on the ground. The buck beds are still pretty easy to find. Um, so yes, I definitely do winter scouting. It's one of my favorite things to do. Okay, so when you winter scout, do you scout? Like, is it only new pieces of land, or do you re-scout pieces that you've hunted for years, or what do you do? So I'll go over, I'll comb over the stuff that I've always hunted just to see if anything has changed, or I may be looking for sheds as well. But, you know, I I always have a couple places that I want to check out. Now, it may only be a quarter mile or half a mile away from where I've been, but I I've never been there, and yeah, so I will. I will check it. Okay, so you, okay, so you are looking at your current stuff, but you're also trying to look at new stuff. Um, for like this, this ac- this piece that you hunted this year, that was a hundred thousand acres. You know, how many acres are you even going to try to cover, or like? Are you just, when you get in there, you just go find a good area. You're like, hey, man, this looks like a good area. There's a lot of sign. I'm in it to win it in this spot, and this is where I'm going to kind of stake my claim, or do you really to just, just put on the miles and just go everywhere until you find a spot or two that looks good, an area or two, I should say? So, you know, obviously with 100,000 acres, um, there's a lot of different terrain features um, on that piece of property. You know, some of it's flat, some of it's hilly, some of it's real hilly. Some of it's nothing but wood. Some of it's ag. So I found a spot that was relatively hilly that had the big woods plus the ag. And I just, I felt like I could manage my cameras over 5,000 acres, which is about like what I normally like to do. You know, some people may only do a 1,000 or 500 acres, but I like to comb wide because my, my hit list of bucks goes up. You know, my stacking goes up. Um, so I narrowed that down on Onyx to about 5,000 acres, and then I dove in. I literally got the boots on the ground. I, you know, I had top areas that I wanted to check out first, and some of them turned out just how I thought they would, and others nothing like I thought they would. And you know, you only you only learn that by getting out there and walking. That's the only way you're going to learn it. Right. You're just putting in the time. Just putting in the time, man. And I don't, like I said, four days a month, like I don't have a lot of time, but um, I scout over half of that time. I I very rarely spend any tree time. Like I don't. I spend most of my time scouting. Really? And then like hunting, hunting only when you know you're in the right spot or when you think you're in the right spot? Yep. Yes, I've I've had people tell me, kind of bash me about my cameras, you know, like telling me that I'm kind of cheating because I have so many, but or that I spend too much time checking checking them. And the good way, the good thing about that camera is, like, you still have to physically do the work and put the camera out. But it's like one big scouting mission when you're putting a camera out or when you're checking it, like you're scouting the whole way. So it's to me, it's a win-win situation. Like, I may be 
cutting across to check another camera in a straight line and come across some fresh buck sign that I would have had no clue was there if I, unless I was heading this wasn't heading this way to check this camera. So, I mean, that's one sure. way to look at it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So then, would you uh, like sacrifice a day of hunting in say October? to go your scouting like you take all your gear with you to go check cameras or do you just go oh, i'm going to go check this camera if it's good i'm going to hunt it tomorrow or how do you do that um or i guess do you do that like will you will you will you sacrifice like if you're like all right i got saturday and sunday to hunt and you'll just take a saturday instead of hunting you'll go scout oh yeah yep so um like two years ago the first day and a half of my my 10-day vacation i checked cameras and scouted um this year because i didn't know the piece near as good i i guarantee you i scouted 70 to 75 percent of the time of the of the seven or eight days i was there i was scouting more than i was hunting uh it's interesting because yep. i have the mindset like during season like i'm getting in a tree because or i always have my bow with me because i need to because I can kill whenever I see one. Like, I don't – I won't take the time to scout during season, really. I'll only – especially, like, during the rut, I'll hunt. If I if I have time, I'm hunting, period. And for me, like, don't – like, during the early season, I'll – you know, I'll scout midday. You know, when they're not moving around, I'll go check cameras and stuff like that. But during, like, you know, the pre-rut and rut, I'm – the whole – Every any minute I get is I'm with my bow looking for a stand, I'm looking for somewhere to set up. No, I'm kind of the opposite. Like you know, every other weekend right. I'm out there, and if it's the rut, like let's just say I got Saturday and Sunday to hunt, I'm probably going to spend most of Saturday checking cameras, forming a plan, looking for fresh sign, and then I'll hunt. That's how I do it. Interesting. And you, like, so if you see, like, a good scrape that's been hit, you know, it's opened up, uh, like, will have you noticed, like, a buck, like, you'll get on camera, like, a buck will come into a scrape, and then, like, a couple days later, he'll come back to it, and you'll be able to, like, judge that, guess that, and then go hunt it and actually see him in there? Yeah, I've had, I've had pretty good lups, uh, luck hunting near scrapes, you know, a lot of times. Um what'll happen is like I'll have I'll have a buck on about four different cameras in a let's say a three day period and some of them may be in the daylight and some of them may be at night and you know I won't know that until I check them cameras but when I check them cameras and I pull my phone up and I look and I try to connect the dots I'll be like okay like I need to be I think I need to be here so that's where I'll go Gotcha. Based like, on, yeah, he was here, then he was here, and now he's here. Yeah, just based on, you know, what I've seen on my cameras. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. All right. Well, are you getting out in the near future? Are you heading out? Are you going to keep hunting that 100,000 acres, or are you going to move around back to the five 5,000-acre piece and whatnot that you've been hunting previously? Uh, man, that's... that's that 5,000-acre piece got hit with EHD real hard last year, so that really put a, a wrench in my plans. Uh, I mean, just really messed it up last year. Um, I guess it was Friday or Saturday. I I pulled four cameras there. 
Um, I didn't have one shooter that, that had been out since September. Um, so it's looking like I'm going to be sticking with the, with the big chunk, um, this yeah. year. Yeah, that'll, that'll really, like you said, that, man, that sucks. Like, well, we, we have CWD in Wisconsin, but it's not like EHD where it just wipes out everything. Um, which, you know, funny. really good <laughs> justice or good information to, uh, uh, have, have a backup piece to hunt, you know, and not have all your eggs in that one basket. Yeah, and that's something like, um, that I, that I didn't do, you know, I, I thought because I was hunting a large enough piece that, you know, I would be good, but it didn't matter. You know, the piece I hunt is literally two miles wide and six miles long, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter where I went in September, like death was in the air, like they were the deer dead. I'm guessing at least 70% of the deer died there. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yep. yep so yeah. that, that put me yeah. scrambling. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> By what? Yeah, you mean it gave you a whole new sense of adventure and exploration and figuring out a new piece, which is always fun and learning and and getting after it. But well, just not having a backup plan, you know, like you said, not having your eggs in one basket. Like I've that's a lesson that I learned this year. Like I'll always have a, some sort of backup plan now. Yeah, yeah, always having another piece. Yeah, the piece. So I hunt. Uh, roughly 6,000 acres pretty close to my house. And, um, like that's, that's my main piece. And then, uh, last year, two years ago, I scouted this piece that was an hour and a half away just because it's, it's in a totally, it's in more hills and valleys and creeks and rivers type area versus like swamp style. But it's, uh, it's different because and this is you could you could say this is me being a big pussy, but it's uh just the mosquitoes in the swamp get so bad in early season. I have a backup like these big hills and valleys don't really have mosquitoes in them, so early season, my intent was to hunt out there, then late season or mid season I would come back to the swamp near my house and uh and I don't know if you know this or not, but then my family ended up purchasing a hundred acres. So now I've been putting a lot of time into like really dialing that piece in and figuring it out so that I can kind of set up my stuff and, and I can be one of them hoity toity landowners with food plots and everything. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that, man. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, it's a good thing. Yeah. No, it'll be, it's a, it's a totally new adventure for me and it's, it's going to be fun. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to learning, learning about all that kind of stuff. Because I never had to do it before because it's like, ah, you hunt public. So I don't need to learn about food plots and all the different ways you can manipulate a piece to be better for habitat because I don't have any right to do that. But uh, but now I do. So there you go. Time that. Yep. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you hopping on. Um, I've pretty much covered kind of most of the stuff I wanted to cover. And before um, before season happens, uh, you know, come August, September, I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll have to do another one. But, uh, really appreciate, appreciate your time, appreciate your knowledge and insight, and, uh, and I hope you get that truck sold. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, thanks for reaching out to me, man. I, I highly appreciate it, man. I hope you have a good day. You bet. Yeah. Hey, what is the, what is the truck? If anybody's listening to this and wants to, uh, check it out. <laughs> so I got a little 94. <laughs> 
I got a little 94 Nissan hard body. Uh, pretty much everything on it's new, and I'm ready to get rid of it. So get, get with me on Instagram if, if you want the truck. <laughs> I'll let it go at a reasonable price. <laughs> there you go. What's that? And you even told me it's a it's a four-banger, and it's a new engine, too, that you recently bought. Uh, everything's new, man. Everything's new. $13,000 sure. invested in a 94 Nissan. <laughs> What's I mean, up? you can come, you can come down here and drive it, drive it back home. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's your name on Instagram for everybody? It's uh, BG underscore Bowhunter, Josh Prophet. All right, perfect. All right, man. Hey, have a good rest of your Sunday. Enjoy it. All right, you too, brother. Talk to you later. All right, see ya.